How bad have things gotten for Joe Biden with black voters? Well, there is a radical idea floating around out there that maybe he should try to win their vote. Hey, everybody, I'm Steve Green with Bill Whittle and Scott Ott. This is Right Angle, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Gentlemen, I kind of love this story. The headline, it was a Dave Weagle story in the Washington Post, really caught my eye. This idea that uh, the Biden campaign needs to treat black voters the same way they would treat swing voters. In other words, messaging getting out the vote, treating them like people, oh, I don't know, who they actually respect and whose, whose votes they have to earn and, uh, and not just expect to get. Um, Scott, the, 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 this uh, poll was conducted by uh, Blueprint. It's a new organization. Uh, it's funded by a venture capitalist and the co-founder of LinkedIn, Reid Hoffman. Uh, the American Prospect describes him as a centrist, but that just means he's anywhere between Barack Obama and Leon Trotsky, because that's you know coming from the American <laughs> Prospect. But what he found in uh, or what his organization found is that black and swing voters share similar economic priorities. And this is where I know this stuff is always BS because they're saying, oh, it's the same excuse. Biden's problem is he's not getting his message out there. You know, he only has the media and the universities and the schools and uh, every show on TV, but he's not getting his message out there. But isn't it a combination of a red flag for Biden, but also a green light for Republicans to start respecting black voters and try to earn their vote. Yeah, I think it must be a terrible thing to be a black voter in the United States because you've got your own party who treats you as a gimme, um, essentially that you, you it's a putt, a putt you know you can't miss and uh, they're always in your pocket and you don't have to worry about them and um, and they're reliable. So you can go and patronize them and speak at one of their Baptist churches in the South a couple of times, uh, as Hillary Clinton did, kind of fall into a Southern drawl while you're doing it. Um, yeah, with her hot, with sauce, her hot in her sauce in her purse. purse. Yeah. So... You know, so you got that on the one side. These are the people who who pretend to be your friends. Um, and then on the other side, you've got people who have become so forlorn that you'll never be their friends that they've just abandoned you. And, you know, I can remember when I was... Um, first running for office in uh, eastern Pennsylvania, and I was talking to uh, our state senator in that area and about my plan that I was going to go into the inner city and go door to door and meet voters and try to find groups of voters there that I could speak to and stuff like that. And he very directly told me, don't waste your time in the inner city. And I said, what do you mean waste my time? Why, what are you talking about? And he said, you need to spend your time in the Republican rich suburbs and your job is to get the people who already vote to come out and vote. You need to get those those three, four voters, the ones who, go, who voted in three out of the last four elections and make them four, four voters. Make sure that they show up at the next election. That's your job. Finding the people who already agree with you and getting them to show up. Uh, you're wasting your time in the inner city. And I said, uh, Forgive me, Senator, but wouldn't it be valuable to go to the inner city because every vote I earn there, I take away from the other side? So it adds one for me and diminishes one from them. Wouldn't that be a good thing? He goes, well, you can do that after the election if you want. And I said, Senator, there's never any funding for stuff like that after the election. The money's only raised for elections. We're not interested in connecting with the community between elections. And you can't, you just can't raise money for that kind of work. So I just ignored what the senator said. And I told my team, basically, you guys work the suburbs. I'm going to work the inner city. And what 
what I saw over and over again, because I was elected to the Republican State Committee in Pennsylvania, I served as the executive director of a county uh, Republican committee, and over and over, I just saw this kind of hopelessness among Republicans. It's basically like, oh, there's nothing we can do. The Democrats own the black community. And I'm like, when's the last time you've tried? When's the last time you had a conversation? When's the last time you went to a place where everybody didn't look like you and tried to connect? When's the last time you frankly shut your yap and started to listen and find out why? I mean, I, I literally, I looked for the precinct that had the highest uh, Obama versus uh, McCain vote in, uh, in the city. And I went to that precinct because I wanted to find out why these people who never vote in, in uh, local elections show up in large quantities, huge voter turnout in this precinct that was practically dead in the off-year elections and talk to people there. If, if nothing else, I learned something. But I got into some conversations with people who I think I made a connection. And what happened there is not necessarily that that guy said, oh, I've always voted Democrat, but I'm going to vote for that guy now. But he came away from that feeling, you know what? That guy's not the worst person in the world I've ever met. I don't know if I really need to get up early on election day and rush into the polling place before I go to work. You know, what's the big deal? And so you, you just kind of defang the threat because people finally meet you as a human being. So anyway, the, the, yeah, if Biden were smart, he'd start treating black voters as swing voters. He's not going to do that because his whole career has been built around not doing that. But I don't care about him. I care about conservatives and Republicans. And to say to, to those who are listening to say, why don't you get outside your own little social circle? Why don't you meet some people? Why don't you talk to some people? Not to pick fights with black voters over their democratic, liberal, progressive policies, but to make a friend and to at very least let them see you as a human being who they don't have to hate. And frankly, they don't have to expend any eff extra effort to go out and vote against. Yeah. And I, I say this every two years. I say it every fourth year and it's republicans need to go and listen ask questions and listen yes. that would go that would go such a long way speaking of which uh the last republican i can remember who actively courted uh black voters and uh latino voters in a in a big way was donald trump in 2016 and bill yep. barring a, a series of increasingly unlikely upsets in the early primaries and caucuses donald trump is going to be the the nominee again in 2024 and i'm not sure we've ever had a democratic candidate weaker with some of any of his core constituents including uh young voters than joe biden is right now uh bill Let's say you had Donald Trump's ear for just a couple of minutes. What would you tell him to do to pull those two votes, to get those two votes, to deny Biden that vote and to earn Trump that vote? What would you tell him? Well, if you'll, if you'll allow me, I'd like to just get Trump and Biden out of this because yeah. those are personalities. Oh, and it's a bigger no, that's issue. brilliant. Thank you. Um, if, if, you, if, you look at, if you were to look at this as a marketing or a sales opportunity, yes. you would look at this and say, we have a large section of our customer base that's getting miserable service, is deeply unhappy with the service that they're getting, but they're convinced that this is the best service available and that the competitors are worse. This is an opportunity that is just golden for us. So I would think, I would start thinking along the lines of how do we convince this customer base that we can provide better service than their current service providers? That's essentially the entire strategy right there. Ten years ago now, I did the virtual presidency series, and I, I took it seriously enough that I gamed this out in my head quite a, quite a lot. 
uh, the virtual presidency thing came as a result of, of Mitt Romney's loss. And, and I've said before, I was at a California fundraiser, got invited to this. Uh, everybody else there had a ton of money. I was just there watching for the fireworks. And, and the first thing that happened before Romney came out was that his advisors came out very much like, like what Scott said. And they said, yeah, we're here to raise some money, but don't worry, we're not going to spend any, not a single dollar of that on California. And it got some laughs, you know, and, and it's like, we're going to spend it where we think we need to. And I'm thinking, what kind, well, well that's, that's frankly one of the main reasons why Romney lost, right? 48% of the population or for whatever is, is just beyond reach. We're never going to get yeah. them. We've talked about this many times. If I was running for president, I would make a plan to get every single vote in the country. I would, I'd go after the LGBTQ vote. I really would. I wouldn't compromise my principles. I wouldn't tell people what they wanted to hear. But in the case of the black vote, Scott, uh, Steve, rather, when I was, when I was gaming this out in my head, I thought the thing to do would be to go to the largest black churches I could find in inner city America and go in there and sit there in the most hostile audience I could find, look at the crowd and try and find the person who seemed to hate me the most and have a conversation with that person. And, and just, just not a lecture and, and not, and not also not a lesson for me either, a conversation, right? And basically just say to this guy, listen, Forget about me and my motives just for a second, okay? Because everybody's got motives. I want to get elected, so do the Democrats. Put, put those motives aside. Do you think that you are living your best life right now? Do you think that you, your friends, and your family could not imagine a better world than the world you're living in now? And I, I already know what the answer to that question is, right? And so, so once, I got, once I got that answer, that no, I can imagine a better world than this, then I would say, well, so can I, and that's why I'm here. And then I would start talking about what they want. And, and what I would find is, I would say, listen, you want what's in your best interest. I want what's in my best interest. And so where do these two things align? Where, 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 are we, where can we both agree it's good for me, good for you? I, I, I'm assuming since you're in this church, you're not in favor of, of, of drive-by shootings, and, and you're not favor of watching 8,000 young black males kill each other every single year, and you don't like the fact that your schools are the worst in the entire planet. You don't like the fact that the, that the, that the communities you walk in are, are unsafe. You don't like any of this stuff. Am I wrong about this? Because I don't like it, and I'm assuming you don't either. And, and I would just take it step by step from there, and I would basically go out and make the case, listen, you've been voting the same way. When I say you, I mean the members of this church as a general general rule it's why i'm here i've been voting democrat for for 60 70 years how how will this have worked out for you you've been told by people that we're worse and we want to put you in chains but those are the people who you've been electing for 70 or 80 years we didn't create the situations in your neighborhood they did and and they are so sure that you're going to vote for them that they don't care about what actually happens to you they want to give you the worst of everything. They think they can buy you with the cheapest cell phones, the worst transportation, the worst food, the worst housing. They think that's enough for you, and I don't. I think instead of getting a government cell phone, you should be able to do something where you're in line to get the, self, the, the Apple 14 on the day it opens. We both want the same thing. It's both good for us if you succeed. If we succeed together, that's, that's good for everybody. And I would just go in there with that attitude, and i say, now listen, I'm coming from a different place than this, so I made a bunch of assumptions that are completely wrong. Tell me where I'm wrong, and then, and then we'll discuss it further. Then I just shut up and listen to the guy. But if you were to go in there with that level of fundamental respect, 
you would you would change a lot of minds, or you certainly would open a lot of minds. But Scott said something that I that I just like to close with. I don't do colleges anymore, and I haven't for five or six years. It's just too toxic. But for a number of years, while I was still doing uh, speaking events at colleges, I had thought that my that my mission was to go in there and to basically give them the Republican or the conservative philosophy in a way that was not only easy to understand but was a little fun and you know and and and, and open and compassionate. What I realized after doing a number of these highly liberal colleges was the biggest thing I achieved there was, as Scott said, is I, I came out of there with them realizing that I was a human being and that the, and that the values I represented were not the values of, of you know, F you, you can all go to hell. I genuinely cared about, about their solutions. I, had, I, I exhibited real concern for them and found a lot of areas of common ground with them where we could both agree on these things. Now, the problem with this magnificent fail, fail proof, foolproof theory is you've got to understand the principles well enough to be able to go in there and do this on the fly, on the hoof. You've got to be able to ad-lib and not invent stuff that you don't believe. If you don't believe this message, you're not going to sell the message. If you don't believe in the product, you won't sell the product. I deeply believe in the product. And, and I think this is really the core of where we get into our trouble, Steve, as Scott pointed out, there are professional politicians who figured out the pathway to 270, you know, and if we, we need to get this state, this state, this state, we're going to thread our needle this way. It's like, no, I'm not going after the pathway. I want 50 states. I want, I want a red board with no blue on it because I think our ideas are better than their ideas, and I think we can sell that to everybody. But when you get into the area of professional politicians, professional pollsters, professional political advisors, there's no longer any philosophy involved. There's no longer any morality. It's just a simple color issue. Red versus blue. It's not black and white. Red versus blue. Red will do this, blue will do this. We, it's like stack the chips up and we're going to come out maybe one or two ahead of the other. Now, it, it's in, it's, that's why people hate politics because it's not about, it's not even about positions or, or philosophy anymore. Now it's about numbers. It's about, it's about gaming. It's about simulations. It's about, it's about, uh, it's about winning. Yeah. It's about winning by numbers without winning the hearts and minds of the people who are actually voting. And that's not winning at all. That's just edging over the line. Because if you do that, all of the problems that existed prior to your election are going to go unaddressed. Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, Barack Obama in his second term, but it was it was really his first term that set things in motion because he, he he ran as the uniter, not a divider. Maybe that was George Bush, mm -hmm. but it was his it was one America, no red states, no blue states, just American states. It was and it was all a crock. Um, as soon as he got into office, and even before then, he lit a long, slow fuse under America's racial issues and the the. The decades of healing that we'd enjoyed, I'm not saying things were perfect before Obama, but the trend lines were all good, right? Steve, excuse yeah. me. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I, I know you're in your yeah. – please forgive me for this. But but this just has to be said. Please. Barack Obama could have closed the deal. He could have closed the door on racism. He could have ended this. He could have ended it. He could have said, my election is the indication that this country is fundamentally – healed of its racist uh, backgrounds to the extent that he did. And that's what I can't yeah. forgive about the guy. I'm sorry to interrupt you on that. Right. It just has to be he said. Just, he, he poisoned the well. And the, the situation in the last, what is it now, since 2009, how many years is that? 14 years now has, it has gotten worse to the point where uh, it's, you're not, uh, it, 
we went from this this issue and what I heard about in the eighties and nineties. Go, oh, black students are acting white to the point of no, no, no. It's colonial thinking. I mean, it's it's gotten just to this philosophical level of of absolute poison between between black and white in this country. It's just it's depressing as hell. But worse than that has been the effect on on black Americans and black families and black communities. This 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 poison that Obama unleashed. And if I were a Democrat running today, when Bill went on that rant about what he would say to the uh, the, the black pastor in the, in the church, do you like this? Did you like this? Do you like this? If I were, if I were a Democrat running for, for anything, my way of winning black votes would be to say, I'm sorry mm. for all the harm we've caused. I'm sorry. But we'll never see that. For Bill Whittle and Scott on it, I'm Steve Green. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.